Good morning, and I'd like to say a very happy Christmas. Well done for making it out of your pyjamas. Good to see you here. I don't know if you've uh, opened any presents yet. Looking around, see if you can see any new Christmas jumpers. But um, we've been given a gift this morning, and I can guarantee you it's more valuable and more special than anything you've received so far, or will receive. Uh, This is what God says to us. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, you get different reactions when opening a, a present, don't you? Some good, some maybe not so good. But this first song this morning tells us the reaction that we should have as we think about this gift that God's given us. O come, all ye faithful, and the chorus, O come, let us adore him. So let's react as this, uh, this carol encourages us to, uh, and let's come and adore him this morning as we sing together on this Christmas morning. So let's sing.
Well, well, let's pray. And uh, if you're going to watch the, the King's speech later on, um, apparently the King's can stand in front of a living Christmas tree uh, with sustainable decorations and a, a big message about the environment. Well, that has its place. But if that's the only message we have this morning, it's looking pretty bleak for all of us. The Lord Jesus Christ has come into the world. God loved this broken world and sent his Son. So that all of us here, any of us, and in the whole world who believe in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is certainly something to give thanks and celebrate. Let's pray. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Lord God, we join together in worship this morning of King Jesus. We want him to be elevated to the highest place, as indeed he is. Though once he was brought so low and humbled, even to the point of death on a cross, as we were thinking last night, he has now been exalted to the highest place. And whilst we look around at this broken world and are confused at how on earth things work out the way they do, and no wonder that's the picture we have, Yet you, from your throne in glory, see everything and you direct parliaments and kings. You direct the plans of the earth. You direct the climate. And everything that goes on is in your sovereign control. And everything is working out exactly to your plans that will bring you glory. That history will unfold without any corrections from you in your plans. And so, Lord, we come to worship you, the living God. And we are so pleased to live in these gospel days where we know that Jesus really did live a perfect life. He really did give up his life for us. He really rose from the dead and he is exalted in heaven. Lord, you are worthy of our praise, our worship and our devotion. You are worthy of the greatest gift we have, which is ourselves. And it's our privilege, Lord, to join together this morning to worship you and to pray together. Lord, we thank you that you not only have created the world, but that you have sustained this planet. You could sustain 16 billion people on this planet. You are the creator and sustainer. And no wonder the world around us is concerned and in panic when we come to the wrong conclusions about God that he is distant and uninvolved, but your word says that everything belongs to Jesus. He is the creator and sustainer of all things, and indeed, history is moving to that day when he will create all things new. Lord, I pray that each of us here will be part of that great kingdom through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we praise you for this time that we remember the birth of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Mary and the wonderful example she is to us and the other characters around that time. But we remember that all of them, including Mary, are sinful human beings like us. And only the Lord Jesus Christ 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, is free from um, sin. And he alone is perfect. And so he alone is worthy of our worship. Lord, we're thankful to be here this morning and to be here, many of us, to see family and friends today. Lord, we thank you for safe journeys if we've travelled. And we pray for your blessing on our times today. Thank you for good food, for presents, the privilege of receiving and giving. Lord, thank you for times with each other. We ask your blessing upon our families. We can hardly believe that another year has just zipped by and, and here we are again. It's a reminder of the shortness of our lives, but it's a reminder too of your faithfulness and of your love and your care towards us. And for that we are deeply thankful. Lord, we pray today for those who are lonely, for those who Christmas time is difficult, for those who are working today, and Lord, we pray your blessing on them. Lord, help us to, uh, to be like Jesus in the way we serve one another and love one another. So Lord, we thank you for all your blessings and we pray you'll be with us this morning, help John as he preaches. And once again, we pray that you'll fill our hearts with the joy of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to sing a couple of songs now. Um, just a quick word about the, the second one. I was uh, looking at why they wrote it. And they, just, they were amazed by the incarnation, God becoming human. And they just really wanted to write something about that. And so in the second one particularly, you get lines like this, this baby that, that made the stars now clings to its mother. And um, so just as we sing this morning, let's have a sense of, of amazement at, at God becoming human. So let's stand and sing and sing these two songs together.
chapter 2 and starting at the first verse. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Our next reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, in a moment, our pastor John is going to come and share a Christmas message with us. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to sing another song. Uh, We've just been thinking about the wise men and the way they they followed the star with joy. And this song encourages us to, to do the same, to come with that same sense of gladness as we seek Jesus. So let's stand and we'll sing, and then after that, John will come and speak to us.
I have a question at the start for you to think about, for you to give me an answer to. There's uh, two Bible verses especially tied up with this morning, although we will think of others, and they are these two. Matthew 2.10 and Luke 2.10. And my question is, uh, what have they got in common? What have they got in common? You're welcome to look them up. I know it's hard when they're doing parts of the Bible or between you, next to each other. Well, no, verses that we've read, maybe you know them anyway and you don't need to look them up. What do these two verses have in common? Both got the word joy in them. So that this time of year we often read them, we have read them, they've got the word joy in. Any more? You think any, anything a bit further than that? You're on the right lines, Roger. I just wanted to expand slightly. They've both got the phrase great joy in. Great joy. That's my title. I haven't been able to give you my title before now because you wouldn't think through the verses as I just wanted you to do at the start of this message. Great joy. So we read in Matthew 2 and verse 10 of the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then Luke 2, the news came, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great joy. Now, joy is often in the Bible, um, and it's a great theme in the Bible. Uh, There's uh, joy in the Christmas accounts. You think of uh, John the Baptist as an unborn baby leaping for joy in his mother's womb. That's an unusual occurrence, but there was joy then. And you think of what Mary said in her song, she rejoiced in God, her Saviour. So, there's a lot of joy at this time of year in the Bible accounts. There's a lot of joy in the Bible. In fact, the word joy, just joy on its own, comes over 200 times in the Bible. Let alone rejoice and gladness and happiness and blessedness and all the other verses that are on a similar theme. So, if I can just say that if you think Christianity and joy are opposite ends of the spectrum, then, um, then I think you've got the wrong end of the stick, because there is so much bound up with joy in the Bible. So it talks a lot about joy, and it talks also sometimes of great joy, of great joy, much rarer, but it talks of great joy, lots of joy, big amounts of joy, and that's our theme this morning our title this morning, Great Joy. Now we want a happy Christmas. We wish people a happy Christmas. I want you to have a happy Christmas. I want to have one myself. I want that to be a, a joyful Christmas. I want there to be smiles on your faces, but if you like, I'd also like there to be smiles in your hearts, a deeper sense, a greater sense of joy. And we're going to look at this theme from these verses, but also uh, some others. And I just want to pick out three things this morning. And uh, this is the first point. Great joy in special times. Great joy in special times. Children, I want to get you thinking at this point. So uh, do tune in. It's a special time for you. And you've been looking forward to this time of the year. 
And I want you to think about some of the things that make you happy, that give you joy at this time of year. And I've put, I need some, need some descrambling. So I've put some words up on there, see if you can work out what they are, are things that uh, might make you happy at this time of year. So hands up if you can let me know. Over there, yeah? Let's have a look. Food. Thank you. Yeah, and all sorts of lovely food that we're thinking of at this time of year. In fact, Luke got us thinking about some of these things yesterday, didn't he? Okay, a second thing which leads to uh, maybe a bit of happiness and joy at this time of year. I did the easiest one first. They get a little bit more difficult as we go on. Yeah, Harvey? Let's have a look. Games, games. So we look forward to games. Maybe you'll play some today. Perhaps today will be too busy, maybe other days. Here's a third one. It's a longer word, but it's probably one that's especially on your mind, or has been, at the back there. Presents. Presents it is. Next one. Odd word, isn't it? Holiday, yeah, off school, that's good news, isn't it? That's a reason to be happy. Last one. Family, I heard it at the back there, family, let's have a look, family. So there are different things at this time of year which um, often make us happy. And I want to say there is a joy in natural blessings. Can't really call them everyday blessings because what we're thinking of at this time of year is rather special, but they're sort of more normal, natural things that we have. And in Ecclesiastes, a few years ago, we looked at that and it emphasises the joy of everyday events that God has given. It tells us in the Bible that God gives us all things richly to enjoy. So there is a joy, there is a joy in special times. Now this week I was reading uh, a a book in the Bible called One Chronicles. It's not not the easiest of the parts of the Bible, but there's bits at the end which I found very encouraging over the years. And there was a verse which I hadn't noticed before, which is uh, good for this morning and what we're talking about. It's One Chronicles 29 and verse 22. It says, and they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. So the situation is that uh, God had given them a king to reign. Solomon was going to take over from David. It was a good thing. There was unity in the country. Uh, A lot of people contributed things towards what was happening. There was worship. There was sacrifice. There was feasting. And it says, and they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. At the feast of the coronation, they were eating and drinking, and I imagine it was good food, and I imagine it was very nice drink, and it says they had great gladness. So that's why I put it in inverted commas. It's there, a great joy in special times, as they ate and drank and were together, there was a a big amount of joy going on. And it, it says this about it, and they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. What does that mean? They ate and drank before the Lord. I think it means that in acknowledgement of God's goodness, 
thankful to him, realising gifts were from him, thinking that it was all done in his sight, realising what he had done, remembering his special kindness. And I think when we enjoy the joys of this life, before the Lord, it has extra significance. I think it actually ratchets up, ratchets up the joy. So, at this time of year, there's room for great, even great gladness, but certainly gladness and joy over special times. So, maybe later in the day, you're sat together and the steam is rising from the turkey and there's laughter around the table and uh, special drinks on the sideboard and there's presents around the tree to be opened and there's a right joy and you can see it all as part of God's kindness and you can have that time and enjoy it and enter into it before the Lord knowing that he is kind and good and given these things. Don't despise them. Don't just push them to one side as nothing. There is a natural gladness and joy from God in these special times. But, yes, these times are passing, aren't they? Generally, we think of great joy in higher things. Some of the things that we listed as making happy times, maybe you, you won't have um, this year. You'd love more of the family to be there, You're, or somebody's not well enough to attend. Or These things are, are passing and, and fragile. And in the Bible, great joy is normally reserved for more permanent, higher, lasting things. So we come on to our second point, with no inverted commas. Great joy in his birth. Joy is so often to do with Jesus. And we had joy in these two accounts, thinking of his birth. Isn't it lovely to have great joy twice? In the two main accounts, if you like, read at this time of year. In what the angels said to the shepherds, we had great joy. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. News that would make people smile. News that would make people smile in their hearts. News that would make people smile in their hearts from across the globe, which would give relief, which would give pleasure, which would give contentment to people of different colours and from different nations. Because a saviour is born. And this brings, you know, great joy if you feel your need to be forgiven. It brings great joy if you want to be right with God. It brings great joy if you want to avoid the judgment you feel you deserve. It brings great joy if you want peace. It brings great joy if you want hope. It brings great joy if you want to know God. 
the good news of great joy of the coming of the Saviour. In the family service a week ago in the morning, two sides to it. One side was about the coming of the Saviour that John Fuller explained to us. Do you experience that deep smile in your heart? Have you understood that Jesus is from God as the Saviour sent into the world? If you understand that in a personal way, responding in personal trust and repentance, then you have a reason for deep joy because of his birth. So that was one account. The angels to the shepherds. But in a way you get even more, don't you, in the second account that we read. In the wise men and their reaction. It says there, in Matthew 2 and verse 10, that when they came, they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy when they came to the place where the child was. Well, it's difficult to top that, isn't it, really? Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What did, it, what did that look like? What did they look like? That they were exceedingly joyful and full of great joy. You might have assumed, perhaps you thought, maybe you thought, well, the wise men are going to be sort of cool, calculating, with their books open, thinking things through, and uh, not much emotion in the wise men. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There's a natural relief at getting there. But a much greater joy at who they found when they got there. And when we find Jesus for ourselves personally in our lives, that's a reason for great joy. The word great in Greek is actually sort of the word mega. Mega joy, great joy, immense joy because of finding Jesus. Mark spoke about Jesus being king and leader at the family service. We're not left leaderless. We're not left in darkness. God has provided his king and leader, Christ the Lord. And it's a reason for exceeding and great joy. This is a lasting joy. Jesus said of his disciples that he gives them joy to the full, that no one would take away the joy that he gives to them. When the last mince pie is cleared up from the cupboard, when the games are put back in the wardrobe, when the family's gone home, and the decorations are boxed up and put back in the loft. If you're a believer, you still have a reason for great joy. The Saviour has come. The King has come. But we go just a little further. Even Christmas is not the whole story. So just permit me, if you, if you don't mind being slightly unseasonal, to take you a little further this morning. 
I'll give you the heading in a bit, but uh, we want to get you thinking first. When else in the Gospels, maybe you've read the Gospels, maybe you've thought about them, when else in the Gospels is there great joy? There's quite a lot of mentions of joy, and it's often big joy, but the actual phrase, great joy, when does that come up again? When does it come up again in Matthew? It does once more. We have to wait till the last chapter of Matthew. Matthew 28 and verse 8. We're in the resurrection chapter. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. They've seen the empty tomb. It's been announced that he's not here, that he is risen. And they respond with great joy and energy to go and tell the disciples. So our last point is great joy in his resurrection. Also in the Gospel of Luke, that's the other reference to great joy. So we were in Matthew again at the start and at the end, like bookends, great joy. And then we've been in Luke with the... um, announcement to the shepherds and there's one other reference to great joy and yeah, that, that's, that's also at the end in fact it's, it's in the last couple of verses of Luke 24, 52 seeing the risen Jesus descended into heaven and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and we're continually in the temple blessing God. Jesus now born, yes, but risen and ascended and even richer, fuller reason for joy. Life now lived, price now paid, death now conquered, realised deep down by the disciples in a response of great joy Great joy in his resurrection. We can't, in a way, separate Christmas from the things that happen at Easter. And in fact, remembering what happens at Easter heightens the joy. We worship a Saviour who came, but we also worship a Saviour who triumphed. We think of good news being announced, but we think of good news being accomplished as he's risen from the dead, having paid the price for sins. We have joy in a loving Saviour being here on earth, but we have joy in a victorious Saviour received back into heaven. So there's great joy in the Gospels at the resurrection as well as at the birth. So we're not going to finish this morning singing Thine be the glory or Come people of the risen king or See what a morning, a resurrection hymn. That would perhaps feel a little bit of a crunch in the gears to do that this morning, but in a way we could do. We started the service with O come all you faithful, joyful. And we've been thinking along those lines. But if I can give you the whole line, it's come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant.
And as we think of the whole picture, I think we can enter into more, both halves of that phrase. Well, let's sing then our closing song. It's not thine be the glory. It's not, O come all you faithful, because we had that at the start. But it's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Father, we thank you for the many joys at this time of year. We pray that we may enter into them and enjoy them before you in good heart with gratefulness. But we thank you even more for the good news of great joy, for the coming of the Saviour, for the arrival of the King. And if we have not personally responded in faith and love to him as yet we pray that maybe for the first time this year we may feel and experience that deep and lasting joy for those who have known it before may it be refreshed in our minds and Lord we pray also that we might be mindful of the complete picture that the one who was born was the one who died was the one who rose again was the one who ascended back to glory 
and we thank you for the triumph and the security that we have through him. So we pray that we may feel these multiplied reasons for great joy at this time of year. In the name of Jesus, Amen.